We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Rotoviz College Football Show. It's Dave Onlico, joined with Matt Wispy. How you doing, my man? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just uh, got done driving over the mountains from western Colorado up in Cimarron, where I enjoyed a very snowy and white Christmas. It was quite lovely. Lots of snowmobiling and sledding. It was A-OK. How about yourself? I had a very similar day. I went to work, and then I came home. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah. very yeah. similar. How was your Christmas? It was good. I uh, we flew. My wife and I flew out to D.C. to go spend some time with her family. Um, got to watch some football. Got a whole bunch of clothing. Nice. Good trip. Yeah, yeah. Did you do any of the museums and stuff? Uh, no. We. I mean, they're pretty far in the suburbs, but we. Uh, I mean. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2. Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tease the trip is we did an escape room Ooh, so, that, that sounds like fun, fun. yeah did we you did a- get out i was like, did, did you escape i mean you're talking to me so things must have turned out okay it went well i mean other than the fact that at one point one of her sisters literally just laid down in there and gave up helping she just kind of took a nap but that probably was an overall help to us <laughs> i'm sure she's not listening but if she is i mean there's some shade right there uh, yeah, we, I said it to her face. <laughs> nice. We we had a lot of fun. Um, sledding was awesome. It was super cold. I think it was like 14 degrees one day, but my kids were just epic troopers. It was a lot of fun. We had about 30 different people going in and out of my brother-in-law's cabin up in the mountains. So it was, it was nuts. I think the highlight for me, though, I was doing the dishes and uh, my wife's grandmother walked up to me and burped in my face and then turned around and walked away. <laughs> I was like, well, that just happened. I've been owned. And, uh, yeah, so it was good. It was good. But nice. yeah, good time. Cool. Well, um, yeah, there's been some games already, but I think the, the games that most of us, uh, the casual fan are interested in are, are kind of kicking off 
tomorrow morning. Uh, but before we get into looking ahead, let's just talk a little bit about you know some of the prospects that have declared for the draft. And of course, my man Justin Herbert telling us he will be sticking around for another year in Oregon, which to me was great news. Um, I texted you though. I was like, well, I'm super excited, but this definitely means I'm going to have severe disappointment next year when they, being the Ducks, definitely don't meet all of my expectations. Yeah, that one was a weird decision to me. Uh, and the one thing I've I heard mean, we from predicted a few, it for the most part, though. I mean, we've been leaning towards that, but it doesn't make like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for him. It almost seems like he just mentally isn't ready to make that jump. And it makes me wonder if this next year is going to be enough because he had he did everything this year that you would have wanted to see for him as a prospect. And I think there was really no argument that it, at minimum he was going to go as the second quarterback in this draft. Now, next year, I mean, now I think his best case scenario is that he is the second quarterback in next year's draft. So it, it was kind of a weird choice to me. I, I can't blame kids for going back to school, though. College yeah. was fun. And and his brother just signed with the team. His brother's going to be playing next year. He's from Eugene. Like, he grew up going to Autzen Stadium and watching games. So, like, he's a lifelong fan. I, I think there's just a lot more of that kind of narrative that plays into it for a guy like him. And I think he's probably thinking, yeah, I'm going to make millions of dollars anyway. I may as well stick it out and have have this great experience with my brother and with my city and all this kind of stuff. And, I mean, who knows? I, I think in the long run it'll be, you know, it'll work out fine for him, barring some terrible injury. But, um, but yeah, but some some guys did declare for the draft. If you want to take us through some of those, that'd be awesome. Um, so some of the more interesting names that have declared, and I actually, I'm going to start with one who I don't know if he's actually declared yet, but I've trash talked him a lot this year, and that's Daniel Jones at a Duke. Um, and really, the only reason I was trash talking him for most of the year was because he was starting to get put in that same class as like Dwayne Haskins, Justin Herbert, and people were thinking he was going to be among the first two quarterbacks taken. And I was always kind of hesitant about that. He kind of reminded me, based on his numbers at least initially, kind of he was kind of Josh Allen-esque he was a guy that film guys liked but when you actually look dove into his numbers there was nothing special there but I have to give him a little bit of credit he did improve upon his numbers as the season were on um, for the year uh, he had a 60.5 completion percentage um, his adjusted yards per attempt was 6.9 now seven is the ideal number that we're kind of looking for um, above seven he's pretty close so I'm not going to kind of crush him for that uh 22 touchdowns and only nine interceptions. And for me, one of the big things is, I mean, on a big stage uh, against Temple, he had a monster game. He went 30 for 41 for 423 yards and five touchdowns. That's a good way to end your college career. Oh, if you're gonna end it. So I was pretty impressed by that. I still think that he's probably like my fifth quarterback in this class, but I do think that I was a little bit too harsh on him. Now I think he's probably... I think now where he's starting to be recognized is about where he should be, which is probably in that fifth quarterback range, probably a third round pick, which is a whole lot better than where I had seen him getting. I saw him early in this, uh, seeing it mocked at like fourth overall. And when I saw that, I just, I broke out laughing. Right. Um, yeah. Which another, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another kind of interesting guy that had a nice bowl game was Deontay Johnson. Uh, I believe he had 90 yards and a touchdown in their bowl game for Toledo. He's an interesting wide receiver. He had uh, sort of a regression season, uh, only had 761 yards receiving and eight touchdowns this year compared to last year where he had 1,278 yards receiving and 13 touchdowns. So it, it was a pretty notable step back, but at the same time he had such a big season last year that I'm kind of willing to just accept that. Um, he does look like he's a bit of an older prospect. I don't have his exact age in front of me, but um, he was in the class of 2015. So I think at minimum, I would kind of estimate him to be about 22. So if you put that as his base, he's not going to be on the younger end of the class. Just an interesting prospect, uh, average 16.6 yards per reception over the course of his career at 23 touchdowns. Um, I've talked about this class a bunch. Uh, it's super deep. He's going to be a late round pick, but if you can get him in like the fourth round of a rookie draft, he is the kind of guy that I like. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good name to, uh, to keep an eye on for sure. 
Um, another couple of guys uh, that I like all hit on my second favorite, who I actually wrote an article about recently for Rotoviz, was AJ Ouellette. Um He's kind of one of those nothing special but workhorse backs. Um, aren't I can't say there's like a ton of great comparisons for him because he was a walk on <laughs> player. Funny. I was about to ask you, can you give me a comparison? <laughs> no, <there's, laughs> honestly, yeah. the the truth of it is, is there aren't a lot of great comparisons for walk on players who could barely get like could barely get a scholarship at like a Mac level school. Um, but what was interesting about him is so he joined the school uh, in 2014 as a walk-on, uh, fifth on the depth chart to start the year, but because of some injuries ahead of him, ended up getting 160 attempts during his freshman year, 20 receptions, turned that into 918 yards from scrimmage during his freshman year. Um, sophomore year, he put up, he had a little bit of step back with 700 yards, uh, had Liz Frank, uh, foot injury during his 2016 campaign, which was sort of when everyone was looking for him to blow up. And I, I always get a little worried whenever you have a Liz Frank injury, because those are kind of the ones yeah, that they can linger for linger. Sure. Yep. But yep. on a positive note, he's had two seasons back from uh, back from that injury, uh, thousand yard year in both of those years, including he had 1500 yards from scrimmage this year and 14 touchdowns uh, average 6.1 yards per carry. He's another, he, he, he's kind of a grinder. I think he may kind of, he won't be quite as athletic, but maybe like a Rex Burkhead type where he kind of sticks around for a while. And when he eventually gets his break, who knows how good he could be? Uh, probably the second best running back at a committee is his ceiling, but he's another interesting guy. You're not going to have to pay a lot for him. He's just a guy to take a flyer on might even waiver in a lot of rookie drafts. Um, and then the last guy, and this is probably my high upside guy of the entire group. And that's Darwin Thompson out of Utah state. He was a two year junior college player where he had a thousand yards in both of those, uh, seasons in junior college had just over a thousand yards, uh, this season. And the kind of interesting thing about him is he's going to kill the combine. If he gets an invite, uh, there were reports from when he was in high school where he front squatted 650 pounds god now well the thing that's kind of crazy is so like we we talked about early this year like rondale moore oh he's five nine like and he's squatting 600 pounds this kid's five eight uh was 185 pounds in high school he's bulked himself up to about 200 pounds now but he has reports of that he's put on uh or that he's done a 40 inch vertical leap he's gonna have crazy burst and He's one of those guys. He could Chris Carson his way onto a roster in the seventh round, give him a chance, and he blows up. And it's he's just he's another one of those guys. He probably will not get taken in your rookie draft unless the combine goes insane and he becomes a fourth round pick. But if all of a sudden he's a guy that is on a roster that's a little bit weak and he gets in on a roster in the seventh round, just an interesting name to keep an eye on because I mean sort of like Mike Boone was last year, there's going to be some excitement about how athletic he really is. Yeah, I know that's, those are, those are the type of guys that can end up making a huge difference on your team too, because no one else will be on them. But if you, if you know what to look for, you can pounce on them and then, yeah, you may have to wait a year or two um, or three, but then when they hit, it can be a huge difference. Like you said, Chris Carson, I mean, how many teams has he helped this year? with his huge numbers the second half of the year, especially after he got back from those early injuries. So yeah, great names to keep uh, an eye out for. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk about one of the games. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch too much yet because I was, you know, traveling and in the mountains and, you know, it's all difficult, but I, I did get my eyes on Miami um, against Wisconsin and it was 14 playoff team. Yeah, <laughs> it was 14 to three Wisconsin. This is, this is what I expected from them. Um, it was 14 to three at the half, but like, like, like they had way more yards than Miami hadn't been able to do anything. They had three turnovers. Wisconsin just wasn't finishing their drives. And uh, then they just destroyed them. But what I thought was just so funny was, I don't know if you remember, I'm sure you do, but Miami started off last year, 10 and 0, and everyone was talking about how they were like a legit top four team in the country and they deserved all this praise. And they went off and lost three in a row to end the year. And then this year they've just been a complete 
dumpster fire. And I just, it's just kind of funny and kind of sad to me. Just the, yeah, just the total collapse. And I know a lot of people were really excited about the Mark Richt hire. And I just don't think that he is the guy that's going to be able to get it done at Miami. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of sad. I, I I used to root for Miami just because they're the bad boys, and it was kind of a fun storyline. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been quite the fall from grace. I mean, they're the proof of like how important turnovers really are because last season they were the team with the turnover chain, right? Where I think they were, I mean, they were absurdly positive in the turnover margin, and that that can make all the difference in these games because their quarterback play. I mean, even last year, their quarterback play was just average. So when you start to have them no longer get those positive yard or positive field position situations where they're getting these quick scores, they're just not the same caliber of team. And it showed. And the one thing I kind of find funny about them is because they started the season ranked so high at the beginning of the year, it actually kind of propped up other teams in a way like. LSU is not ranked as high as they are if they didn't beat a Miami team that at the time was ranked in the top 10. Yeah. Which when you think about like how these ripple effects work, it's actually sort of it's why we need to root. It's if you're a fan of a team in a conference, you should almost be rooting for your conference to get the benefit of the doubt because at the beginning of the year, those preseason rankings can make such a big impact because one of those games playing against a team that may not act good can have such a big impact and I, I don't even think there's much question if LSU beat a an unranked Miami team I doubt they were given the benefit of the doubt towards the end of the year yeah no totally and I mean that goes to show how important bowl games are too because you want to s- finish the year off strong so that when people are putting those preseason polls together they they rank your team and your conference a little bit higher than maybe maybe they should um, as the case might be, uh, Taylor had an ama- Jonathan Taylor had an amazing day. He ran for over 200 yards at a touchdown, ended up finishing the year with over 2000 yards, um, close to 2200 yards. So he ended up having a fantastic year, even though he really did struggle for a lot of it. I mean, can you think of a more quiet, um, 2000 <laughs> yard rushing season for a no. guy? I mean, it's just crazy. Like no one's talked about him unless you're watching the games and, uh, he put together a really, really solid year. I mean, he averaged seven yards per carry. He had 16 touchdowns. I mean, he had a prolific year, and no one talked about him. This is crazy. I mean, we've been talking about uh, the 2020 class and how good the running backs could be. He really still should be considered among the top of that group. Like you said, 7.1 yards per carry, 16 touchdowns, and 2,000 yards. He led college football in rush yards. It, and you'd think based on how quickly he fell out of the Heisman race that he was just this average running back that didn't do anything. He was that team. If that was an MV, if the Heisman Trophy were an MVP award, he would be that team. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's let's move on to uh, to the to the games for this week. We've got a lot of amazing games. And I mean, everyone knows this is the time of the year for college football. I am super excited. I'm, uh, I have not placed any bets yet. I'm going to do that uh, as soon as I'm done uploading this podcast. And of course, I'll be doing that with my bookie. The game I'm most excited to bet on this week is the Oklahoma versus Alabama game, which we will get into in a few minutes. Uh, but I will be placing my bets with my bookie because they're super reliable. They pay you back quickly and they're just a really easy site to use. So go over there uh, to my bookie. They'll offer they are offering a fifty percent deposit bonus to make sure you have a nice bankroll for the bowl season. Use a promo code Rotoviz when you deposit to activate the offer. That's promo code Rotoviz. So do yourself a favor and use my bookie with a promo code Rotoviz, and they will take good care of you. We're gonna start off with the Peach Bowl. I had Jordan, uh, who is not with us today. He is probably lost somewhere in the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with him, of course. Um, but he 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 did have time to uh, to let us know his picks and uh, a couple reasons why. I also just for fun had my wife do some picks. She's watched about zero minutes of football this year, and I have a feeling that her picks will be just as good as mine because some of these lines are 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 really really tough. Um, 
But yeah, so we've got Jordan's um, numbers. But for the first game, we're going to look at the Peach Bowl. We've got Florida versus Michigan, minus six. Matt, where are you leaning on this one? So I this was actually of every game on our slate, I think the one I struggled most with. Um, I think Michigan's a pretty – a lot better team. They are missing some key defensive players. I know Gary has said he's sitting out. I think they have an offensive lineman sitting out. Devin Bush is injured. Uh, Chase Winovich is saying that he is probably playing on something that needs surgery. So he's not at 100%. So when I look at and this, Higdon's I'm thinking, out. Higdon's not playing Higdon, either. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and Higdon being out. So there's just a lot of people sitting out for them. So you have to kind of question their motivation coming into this. But at the same time, I stop and think, Florida's offense is still putrid. It's it's just <laughs> not a good offense, um, but their defense is good. I expect this to be a low-scoring game, but if I'm being completely honest, I don't really care Higdon's out because I do think that in 2018, the way to move the ball is through the air. They've got Shea Patterson, who, while I don't think he's an NFL-caliber quarterback, I do think he's a quality college quarterback. If they actually let him do things with his arms um, and throw the ball to Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tarek uh, Black, they're probably better off. So I'm taking Michigan. It hurts my heart. But like I said before, I kind of have to root for my conference in this case. Expect it to be low scoring. If I were placing money down, whatever the over-under is, I'd be on the under. Yeah, I feel like this is like the Spider-Man gif game, like <laughs> where the two two Spider-Man pointing at each other. Pointing at each other. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think like these teams are so similar. Like they have questionable play at the quarterback position at times, both really solid defenses. Both have managed to get some key wins, but also, you know, some pretty, I mean, Michigan's defeat to Ohio state, I think was really telling, but I don't think Florida can exploit them the same way Ohio state did. So I'm with you with Michigan. Uh, I think, you know, the six is kind of scary, but I think Michigan can win by a touchdown and I wouldn't be surprised if they end up taking care of business fairly easily. So give me Michigan. Um, my wife also picked Michigan. Um, and then Jordan uh, went with Florida. His main reason uh, was just the, the amount of players sitting out, as, and, as well as what you mentioned, just questioning what kind of motivation Michigan might be coming in with. So he's going with Florida. So he will be on the other side of the fence than us and it'll make it for it'll make for some fun text messages i imagine um next is the cotton bowl which is the semifinal matchup between notre dame and clemson and this line there was a few lines that really surprised me and this is one of them minus 12 seems like an awful big number and it makes me wonder if i'm missing something am i missing something i mean i this was this was another one i was torn on um, I think Clemson, if they put their foot to the gas the entire game, can put up enough to beat them by 14, 21, however much they feel like. But it, it is a weird number because it shows absolutely no respect to Notre Dame, who say what you want about their schedule. They have one of the better wins on the entire uh, resumes with their win over Michigan. And that was without their starting quarterback in place. Or I should say, that was before they put the right starter in place. Right. I do think that they're going to struggle to move the ball on the ground in this game. Even though, even without Dexter Lawrence, the one place where Clemson is perfectly fine to lose players is on their defensive line. They've got bodies on top of bodies on top. They have so many people on that depth chart that I actually don't think Dexter Lawrence makes a huge impact. I what I think ends up happening in this game is Notre Dame tries to keep Clemson's offense off the field as much as possible by playing a deliberate offense. And I just think Notre Dame's defense, their entire goal is going to be to limit the explosive plays of Travis Etienne. And that's probably their best hope to keep the game close. I do think Clemson wins the game, but the way Dabo Sweeney spoke after the South Carolina win where he was dealing with critics talking about how their win felt like a loss. I just don't know if he cares to blow them out. And if he thinks winning by one is good enough because a win is a win is a win. So I'm still on all aboard Clemson. I think that they're 
this is my only fear is that this becomes a look ahead spot and that it's close because they're looking ahead to Alabama. But I don't I think it's one of those games that's a close game that's never really in doubt. But I do take Notre Dame because 12 points is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I was expecting like a nine or 10 point spread. The 12 did seem big to me. I'm actually going to go with Clemson, though, still, even though I think it's a large number. I think Clemson is quite a bit better than Notre Dame, even though Notre Dame has proven me wrong so many times and is obviously a lot better than I gave them credit for for most of the year. I still think Clemson with Etienne and with, you know, I think they'll get some big plays from the, from the receiver from, ah, from the receivers. I think Hunter Renfro's in for a big night. Um, only, <laughs> only to mess with him. you. Only to mess I hate with him you. So much. So I, I, but I think they'll be able to get it done. I think if Notre Dame tries to stack the box, I, I think Lawrence can um, can beat them downfield. He's got, I mean, one of the most beautiful deep balls in the game. So I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a 14, 17 point win for Clemson. So I'm taking Clemson. Jordan's with you though. He said this feels gross, uh, but he he thinks that Notre Dame will be able to keep it within two scores and then my wife also picked notre dame so so far jordan i don't agree on anything uh so now on to the game that i am definitely putting money on because this line is shocking oklahoma versus bama minus 14 i just cannot imagine so here here, here's my thoughts on this and then i'm I'm gonna slow down and, and and walk myself through this like Obviously, we have no idea what's going to happen, but if I think about... I've already the, watched it. Yeah, yeah. If I think about, like, the the possible outcomes, like, the most likely outcome to me is this just becomes a shootout where both teams are scoring, and, you know, it, it's similar to that West Virginia game, you know, where Oklahoma and West Virginia were just going back and forth and back and forth, and or the Oklahoma State game, you know, like, so many of Oklahoma's games were like this, and, you know, last team with the ball wins, and I think that Bama probably wins, but I don't think they're going to be able to slow Oklahoma down enough to win by two scores. I think that's the most likely scenario. Another likely scenario is that Alabama tries to keep Oklahoma off the field as much as possible by running the ball a lot. Also, with Tua not being at 100%, maybe not trying to rely on him too much and relying on the running game and try to eat clock. But eating clock will make the game shorten, which makes a blowout less likely. Is there a realm of possibilities where Oklahoma gets blown out by Bama and they lose by 21 points? Yes. But to me, it's the third third or fourth most likely thing to take place. And therefore, I feel very confident, very good about putting my money on Oklahoma, which is what I'm going to be doing in about two hours. What do you think? Am I off on that? Am I, am I missing something? Uh- I will say I am with you on the side. I'm with you thinking that Oklahoma is the pick. Um, my biggest reason is Tua has come out this week and has said things along the lines of that he's 80 to 85% coming into this game. And he has said he will be at 100% on game day. Nice. You want to know what I think <laughs> of his comments about being 100%? I think Tua is a confident young man. Yeah. It's also dumb if he believes that to be true. He will not be 100%. And what I think we learned from that Georgia game is if he is not Patrick Mahomes light with the ability to not necessarily run, but be mobile in the uh, mobile behind the line of scrimmage and extend plays and use his arm strength to make these big plays, he becomes sort of a liability. And... He's not the most accurate quarterback, and while I do think that Oklahoma is a pretty porous secondary, I think that if he makes a mistake against this defense, it's way more catastrophic than any defense or any team he has played prior to this because there's no way to say that he has played an offense like this. The offense he is playing in Oklahoma is literally historic. They're they have averaged 8.6 yards per play, which is best in the nation. Number two in the nation is Alabama, so I'll give them the credit where they're due. They can score as well. The best offense that Alabama has played to date was Georgia, who averaged seven yards per play, which is fifth in the nation. And they allowed 28 points to that team. And that was sort of when Georgia 
took their foot off the gas at times, got weirdly conservative, and weren't really trying to run up the score. I think Oklahoma's a live dog. I like I would actually be sort of intrigued by what the money line is on this because I have to be thinking I'm getting at least three to three and a half to one on an Oklahoma here. Yeah. And I get three and a half to one on the best offense ever. I'm pretty intrigued by that. And my last note was that if Tua does get knocked out, and again, I think he probably will miss time in this game. I think there's going to be moments when Jalen Hurts gets in there. As bad as Oklahoma's defense is through the air, they rank 91st in defensive or defensive S&P plus against the pass. They're actually a lot better. Um, it's still not spectacular, but they're 53rd against the run um, in S&P plus. So while I do think that you're right, Alabama's going to try and keep them off the field. I don't know if they're going to find the same level of success relying on the running game because that's actually where this defense is a little bit better. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. if if Oklahoma has the ball, I don't know if Alabama can stop them. I think what we saw from Texas and what we saw from uh, pretty much Texas was the only one to slow them. And perhaps you could say Army slowed them down. But Army's strategy is probably what Alabama is thinking here. And even if that's the case, catching 14 points, I'm fine with that. Because if Alabama is right. just going to try and slow the game down, Oklahoma's going to get theirs. I don't see a situation where Oklahoma scores less than – I mean I think 28 really might be their floor here. And if Alabama's trying to slow the game down, I don't know how they get to over 35. So yeah, that, yeah. I mean 14 points is a great line. I would probably um, put a little bit on the money line just because – I really think Oklahoma's a live dog. Yeah, I agree. I I think what what's really going to happen in this game is I've I've talked about some of my really good friends are, are huge uh, Sooner fans, um, and I think they're going to be heartbroken because it's going to come down to one of the last plays of the game, where Bama. I still think Bama's going to win it, but I think it's going to be so close that that Sooner fans are going to be heartbroken um, because, like I said, it's it, I, I really think this is a toss up game. Do you think Lincoln Riley learned anything from the heartbreak game from Georgia last year and not to let his foot off the gas? I, I'd like to – I mean, absolutely. I don't think he's the type of guy that's ever going to slow down now. I think he he's going to be pushing it the entire way. And like you said, 28 points is, is definitely I, – I think that's a, a good call. I think that's the floor for this offense because they will, they will make – Kyler Murray will make plays against any defense. I don't care who it is. He's going to make his plays. He might make a couple mistakes, but he's going to be making some huge throws, some big runs. He's going to be able to move the football and put up points. And yeah, I just think the the smart money on this one uh, is is Oklahoma. And I do think what'll be interesting to see is how Marquise Brown looks early for Oklahoma. He did right. suffer what appeared to be a relatively serious injury. Um, all reports right now are trending towards him playing. If he looks a little bit slow, they're going to have to rely on C.D. Lamb. Who's and amazing. Our, and, and our boy, Grant Calcutt, <laughs> yeah. uh, to, to put up some serious points in this game. And I, I do think – I mean I'll, I think Grant Calcutt is a, ma- a matchup nightmare for basically anyone. You don't want to cover him with a cornerback, and even Alabama does not have the linebackers to cover him. So uh, that's, it's going to be an interesting game. I think it will be a little bit of a chess match. I mean, this might be the the best X's and O's coach in the country in Lincoln Riley going up against probably the best overall coach in college football history. It'll be a really crazy matchup. Yeah, I can't. I cannot wait for this game. This is the game I think we've we've all been hoping for and wanting oh, yeah. to see happen. And here it is. And I couldn't be happier. I mean, I I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna pour myself a large glass of gin, maybe with a splash of tonic and sit back and enjoy the ride because this is going to be this is going to be great and and i learned my lesson with oklahoma i don't care if they're down big at half or even after three quarters they can come back from anything and uh, i'll be watching this one all the way through because i think it's going to be i think it's gonna be one that's uh an instant classic if oklahoma does get blown out you're going to see a lot of tweets from me talking about how ohio state should have been in yeah yeah and you can feel free to blow me up too because uh, that'll be definite uh oops uh jordan's with us 
he uh he he's concerned about Tua's health and uh and I think I I think he pretty much would agree with most of what we've said. Uh so he he's on Oklahoma and of course my wife was also taking Oklahoma. Um now let's get to I mean I say Oklahoma Bama is the game I'm most excited about. I'm also excited to watch my Oregon Ducks, of course. Uh Michigan State versus Oregon, Oregon favored by two and a half. I texted you earlier today that this line kind of surprised me. And I think your take uh, was spot on. And that's no one really knows what to think about Michigan State. And uh, and yeah, it's it's a really a really weird game. I I'd feel comfortable taking the Ducks at four or five at two and a half. I'm definitely going Oregon. Michigan State has looked so bad. Lately, in their last six games, they're only averaging about 13.3 points per game, and that's against teams like Rutgers. I mean, they're not doing well offensively, and I, I don't think they're going to be able to to score much on Oregon. Oregon's defense is underrated. I've talked about them all year. They're, they're actually pretty damn good, and I think they're going to be able to make Michigan State look like everyone else has made Michigan State look, and Oregon's offense is going to be able to put up points. I really believe in our running back. I say our. I really believe in Oregon's running backs. I think Verdell is going to have a really huge game, and Die is going to be there on that that change of pace back. That's going to be able to to put up big numbers too. Herbert looks healthy. I know he sat out the second half of that Oregon State game, but he he looks good, and I think he's going to be able to light him up. So give me Oregon. Um, I don't typically. I, I'm similar to Jordan, and I don't actually like to place bets on my team, but I might put a couple bucks on this one just because the line just surprised me. And uh, at two and a half points, I mean, a field goal is enough. So give me Oregon and uh, don't break my heart. I'm with you on Oregon because I think this game will either, I think there's really only two ways this game plays out. And it's two games that Michigan State has played this year. It's either going to look a lot like the Ohio State game where their defense actually does a decent job against Oregon, holds them to a pretty poor performance by their own um, uh, by their own account, the way they're supposed to put it up points, um, but their offense is just putrid. Or it looks a little bit more like when they played Purdue, which is they play a pretty high-profile offense, Um they shut them out, and they find just enough openings to score on big um, big plays. I tend to think it's going to look a lot like the Ohio State game. I don't think Oregon has the athletes Ohio State does to make Michigan State look that bad, but I do think that Oregon has the defensive athletes to stop whatever is the receiving core of Michigan State right now. So that was a long-winded way of saying – I'm taking Oregon, if only because at least I know that they have a competent offensive coordinator right now. So yeah, yeah, it, it it's essential. I mean, it's it's not a pick 'em. It's there are a lot of situations where Oregon wins and I lose on this side, but it's essentially a pick 'em to me in this spot. I'm taking the Ducks and just hoping that somebody scores points. Yeah, and I think for for some of these bowl games. I mean, and we mentioned it earlier with Michigan, just like what what motivation do they have? They were hoping for uh, a semifinal. They didn't get it. So what are they playing for? I don't think you get that with Oregon. Uh, Chris, Coach Cristobal is all about, I mean, win the day. I mean, that's Oregon Ducks' motto right there, win the day. And and I don't see them overlooking this one. So I, I really think they're going to be ready to play. I think they're going to want to play for... Um, for that, what we were talking about earlier again is just like getting ready for next year, getting your name up there. Herbert coming back, top five recruiting class. Let's start the year in the AP top ten, and and let's start with this big win over Michigan State. Uh, so that that's what I'm going. This one's a sweep. Jordan's Jordan's on board with us. Uh, so yeah, so I think I think we can move on. This next one is one that I I don't even know what to I think won't about. Watch a second, Ho- the Holiday Bowl. Yeah, I won't watch this one either. Northwestern versus Utah. Jordan is going with Northwestern. I'm starting with him because I need a stall because I still don't even know what to think about this. Um, he, he's he's picking Northwestern. Uh, he thinks that they'll be able to to keep it close in a very low scoring game. I, I think he he'd lean the under in this one. Yeah, um, which I think, the I under think <laughs> in this game's like forty something, so I doubt it. But yeah, but I mean, I, I was listening to. Um, 
cover three podcast, uh, the CBS Sports guys, and 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 one of them was talking about picking the under in this one because even though it's a low number, like these teams just probably won't score. It'll be a lot like that Utah Washington game that just you know just hovered around that you know single digits, and then maybe the first person to ten wins. You know, so yeah. So that so Jordan's going with Northwestern. How about you, Matt? What do you think? Um, I'm with him on Northwestern. Similar logic. I expect it to be low scoring, and neither offense is special. Um, my key player in this game, I want it to be Clayton Thorson because he used to be considered good, but I'm I'm over it with him. Um, I actually think for Northwestern, their critical guy is actually Isaiah Bowser. He impressed me a few times. He had some big runs against the Ohio State defense. Utah is a better defense than Ohio State this year, but I do think that there's going to be an opportunity or two for an explosive play, and he kind of showed that burst that I would be looking for in a game that's going to be relatively close. If I were going, uh, I I think I would be on Northwestern on the side as well, uh, just to take them to win the game outright. Just I think they're a little more um, well-equipped for a game that will play out this way. And we've seen that Utah, I mean, Utah is a very good team, but I don't, again, I just don't think they're going to do anything special. And I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about it. It's not going to be a fun game to watch. I'm not going to watch a second of it, but I would take (laughs) Northwestern. Yeah. I, I didn't watch much of Northwestern at all this year. And uh, I've watched a little bit of Utah, and I've been impressed by Utah's defense. Uh, man, I want to pick Utah just because I don't you, want it to be wanna, a sweep. But I'll I have no, I have no I'll reason to. Yeah, please, I would like to pick I Utah. Will, Give me a reason. I will help you out. Um, so I'm looking at the college, this is Bill Conley's S and P Plus numbers, and he has the projected margin for this game: Utah plus fifteen point five. So if you're looking for a reason to take Utah, perfect. The numbers currently have them as this line being lower than it should be. Yeah. All right. Good. That's that's what I wanted because because I, I do like Utah. I think their defense is really impressive, and yeah. So give me give me Utah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, let's move on though because uh, that's leaving a really gross taste in my mouth, and <laughs> nothing gets bad taste out of your mouth like a little citrus. I don't know the terrible transition, but the hey, citrus bowl, <laughs> Kentucky versus Penn State. Uh, we already know that Jordan is going with Penn State. Who are you leaning? Um, I'm going Penn State as well. Uh, it hurts the line's my heart. six and a half. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. Penn State is six and a half point favorites. Um, I was part of Big Blue Nation at one point during this year. I've also made fun of Big Blue Nation 150 times this year. Uh, I don't know. Penn State still doesn't. Imp- they're not good on offense. Uh, they were really good on offense. And then all of a sudden they became terrible on offense at one point during the year. So they make me a little bit nervous. I, I'm hoping this is Trace McSorley riding out into the sunset with a big-time performance. I, I'm a little bit <laughs> there was I'm a little worried about. I'm a little bit worried about Kentucky's defense being really good. I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm hesitant, but I'm still going to lean Penn State just because I don't think that Kentucky is going to be able to score at all. They are completely unable to pass the ball. And as much as I like Benny Snell, it's easy to stop a running back when you know they're running the ball. Yeah, I think my play on this game is the under. I mean, the over-under is set at 47.5, so it's not that high. But I don't see any either team getting into the 30s. And I definitely don't see both teams putting up you know, 28 points or anything like that. So I, I could see a 17 to 21 type game and, and the under hitting. So I'd put my money on the under on this one. Um, I'm not going to, I'll be, be honest with you. Uh, definitely not going to do that. I, I'm also leaning Penn state, but I don't feel good about it for the reasons that you spelled out. I could see this just being a really low scoring, ugly game where both defenses uh, are able to shut out the offenses and it's one of those games. Like we've talked about this a few times this year, um, which you know, end of the season. That's that's kind of typical. But there's a there's a difference between a good defensive game and a bad offensive game. And I think from Kentucky's perspective, they'll have a bad offensive game, but a good defensive game. You know, and so I just don't think that they're going to be able to put up enough points. And I don't think Penn State's going to be able to run away with it. 
but I think at the in the end of the, at the end of the day, Penn State wins it by a touchdown. So I guess I'll go Penn State, but I I really don't feel good about it at all. But it is a sweep. We are all picking Penn State, which just feels weird. Uh, we've got a couple of those now, so let's see if uh, if this lasts much longer. Uh, let's move on to the Fiesta Bowl. LSU minus seven and a half versus UCF. I'm really curious what this line would be if McKenzie was playing, but he is not, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm curious what uh, what what takes place in this game. This is definitely one that I'll I'll watch big chunks of. How do you see it going down? What do you think is going to happen on this one? It's it's a weird situation because I tend to side. I've I've been siding in a lot of these spots with the with the team that was the better offense, and I'm so turned on this one because UCF, even without Mackenzie Milton, is still the better offense by a pretty wide margin. Um, if I'm correct, I believe Greedy Williams is out of this game, so UCF should still be able to pass the ball decently, although it does concern me that their quarterback does not have an alliterative name. Um, I always like that <laughs> in a quarterback. Um, my biggest take on this is I do not think LSU cares one bit about this game. And I think that half to three quarters, of their players will show up very flat and that this UCF team is capable of exposing that in the right moment for them to do this though. They need Trey Nixon and Gabriel Davis to both find ways to get open they need Adrian Killens to not get consistently stuffed at the line. It, they need a pretty big performance on this one from their offensive skill players that aren't Daryl Mack. So, oh man, I'm almost about to change my pick to LSU, but <laughs> I'm just going to go with my, my trend right now, which is I've been on the better offense I think the line is too much. I still think that LSU probably gets it done, but it's so hard for me to see them winning a game by two scores. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Jordan's with you on that. He's got UCF, and he he also mentioned S&P Plus uh, having UCF winning outright. Uh, so he so he's leaning that, that way. I'm leaning LSU. Um, I think they are the better all-around team. They've seen stiffer competition. At halftime in Mem- and at halftime versus Memphis, Central Florida was really struggling, and they were able to come back in it. I don't know if they will be able to do something like that against a defense like LSU. Now, if you're right and LSU doesn't show up, sure UCF runs away with it, but I don't. I don't know that's going to happen. And motivation. I mean, we've talked about that already a bit today, but it's hard to judge. And I, I don't know. I think Coach O will will have his team ready to go for this one. Give me LSU again, one that really makes me nervous. I love UCF. I, I hope they win. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they win outright, and I, it it just be great. I hope they start next year in the AP top ten, and everything's beautiful with the world. But but I don't think it's gonna happen. So I'll take LSU, and I feel icky about it. Let's go on. I will say. Oh yeah, please, please. They need to uh, come out quick in this one. If they can get LSU playing from behind in this game, I think that benefits them a ton. Right. Which it might sound like a pretty obvious statement, but when you're playing against a team that is pretty bad on offense, they I believe LSU ranks 53rd in offensive S&P Plus, which is better than I would have thought. Um, if you're playing a relatively bad offense that relies on the running game, forcing them to be in comeback mode tends to put you in a pretty good spot. I think they're capable of scoring. They just need to get an explosive play early, and then I really do think that UCF could win their game on the field. Yeah, that's a good call. And 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 while that may seem like an obvious statement, like you said, other teams I don't feel that way about. Like if Alabama gets gets up two scores or three scores on Oklahoma, it'll change Oklahoma's game plan, but it doesn't necessarily hurt their offense. I don't think it hurts your offense when you let Kyler Murray throw the ball around the field. So so some teams can play just fine from behind. Um, but yeah, LSU's probably not one of them. Uh, so let's move on to the Rose Bowl. I will, uh, I'll let you run away with this one because it's Washington versus Ohio State, minus seven. 
I can only assume because of everything you've said about Washington this year and how you are not a Jake Browning fan, um, and you are a huge Ohio State fan, I assume you're taking Ohio State. Um, am I right on that? Yes. Um, I think that this Washington team reminds me of the Michigan team that we ran off the field. And pretty much because of that, I'm going to be taking the Buckeyes. few other things um, that have to kind of be considered. We've pointed out that Ohio State struggles against explosive offenses. Jake Browning's not an explosive quarterback. He barely even looks down the field anymore. Um, he's trying for these shorter pass. He's averaging 7.7 yards per attempt. That's fine, but it's it's not really looking for these big explosive plays. Um, Miles Gaskin, I love him as a workhorse back. I, I really do. He's averaging 4.9 yards per carry. That's not the explosive of running back that you're hoping for when you're playing against this team. The one player I am a little bit concerned about um, on this Washington offense is Salvin Ahmad. Yeah, that boy can run. He can run. He He's the one player that I do think could have a couple of break play breakaway plays. If you're playing DFS with this game on the slate, he should be a chalk play. He should be an auto spot because I do think he's pretty much a guarantee to have at least one, like, 50 yard run at some point in the game. Every single team that has played Ohio state has managed to have one of those runs. He's the most likely candidate. He's the guy to do it. But now for a few things that are a little harder to quantify, this is urban Meyer's final game with Ohio state. This is likely Dwayne Haskins final game with Ohio state. Um, there are no players that I know of sitting out of this game. Although I do think Draymond Jones is going to end up playing on a snap count at some point during the game. Um, likely Paris or it is Paris Campbell's last game. I think it could be KJ Hill's last game there. It is Mike Weber's last game. There's a lot of people who want to have a really good final showing and Ohio state has shown up in bowl games in recent years. I don't see a situation where even against as good a defense as Washington is, and they might have the best secondary that Ohio State has played all year, I don't see a situation where Ohio State doesn't put up 30 points. I think they're more likely going to put up 40 points in this game. And Washington's offense, we saw them against Utah. They're not going to put up 40 points. So give me Ohio State to win it comfortably. Do I think it's possible that they win this game by a field goal? Sure, but I think the most likely situation is Ohio State wins this game going away probably in the 17 to 21 point range. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. How many um, – do you think Haskins is in there on every snap? Um, sort of depends on the score. He's really competitive. Um, from everything I hear, I don't think he's going to want to come out unless they're in a situation where the game is in hand. If they are up by more than two scores going into the fourth quarter, I do think we're going to get to see some Tate Martell. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I, I don't think there's a situation he comes out unless the game's in hand. I think he'll probably, th- I was, I was more referring to the Tate, you know, three run, the three, ball. three yard run in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, oh, if they run those plays, I'm going to get so mad. <laughs> I'll uh, get so mad if they run that play. I'm hoping well, for a it, Tebow jump throw at some point. Well, that's the thing is like that play. We, we talked about it all year. I was rooting for the Tate Martell to come in during the red zone situation, but only if there's a threat of a pass is it doing anything. Yeah. If you're putting him in there as a straight run quarterback – What's the point? They know what to do. They key in on him, and he's shut down. Um, so if he comes in, hopefully they let him pass because it's Urban's last game. Throw everything out there. Um, but I don't know. I think it'll be an interesting game. I think if you're a Washington fan, don't get your hopes up. Yeah, I agree. My my wife's uh, Washington alums, she 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 loves, she loves those Huskies. Actually, she doesn't care about football at all, but she does love – University of Washington. Uh, and, and I know she'd, she'd love for me to pick them, but I won't because I don't see how they can get it done. I was This was a line that also surprised me just because Ohio State has 
like finished out the season so strong, just destroying Michigan. And and and, all, and they put up 62 against what was considered at the time one of the best defenses in the country. I don't think anyone thinks Washington's defense is as good as Michigan's. Now, I don't know if Ohio State puts up 62, but but I think they put up a lot, and I don't think Washington will be able to. They haven't been able to put up a lot in, in most games this year. Uh, I look at how much how, how badly they struggled against Auburn. Um, if you look at their out of conference games, it was really it was really difficult for them when they played good teams. Uh, so I, I think Washington's got uh, their hands full. I don't think they're going to be able to really compete. And yeah, I think it's great that they're in the Rose Bowl, but unfortunately for for the Huskies, I don't think it's going to end very happily for them. So I will also take the Buckeyes. Uh, Jordan's along on um, the Ohio State side with us. He uh, he basically said uh, similar things to us. He said also that he trusts Haskins more than anyone else in the field. And yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think if they had Jacob Eason in there, <laughs> maybe Washington could make it closer, but I don't think Browning can get it done. Let's go on to our final... Uh, bowl game for this week, the Sugar Bowl, Texas versus Georgia, Georgia minus 13. The only reason I find this line difficult is is the motivation factor, and this is exactly the reason why Jordan is taking Texas. Uh, he said that uh, this feels like a stay-away game, uh, but he does question Georgia's motivation after narrowly missing the playoff. Uh, he also said that DeAndre Baker sitting is a big deal especially with Texas's wide receivers being their best weapons. And, and that's hard to disagree with. So he's leaning Texas. I think if this was a playoff game, if this was a game that mattered, if this wasn't just a glorified exhibition match, I think all of us would be on Georgia. But uh, with it being one of those games where, yeah, you don't really know what Georgia's playing for, uh, Jordan's going Texas. Where are you leaning, Matt? So I, I'm on Georgia in this game. And pretty much my logic is that this game stylistically reminds me a lot of the Big 12 championship. I think Georgia's offense is a lot better than it gets credit for. I know I, I probably harped on it before, but I think their offense is capable of putting up points on just about anybody. And I think Texas probably comes out guns a-blazing and looks really good at the beginning. But once Georgia settles in and gets a stop... um. I kind of think they're going to cruise. I, I I don't see really anywhere on the field where Georgia isn't better than Texas, um, with the exception I think Texas has better wide receivers than Georgia. Riley Ridley, as we have established, I think he sucks. Um, but I, I do think Georgia's just a lot better in this game. And if I were placing my own dollars on it which i won't be because it was just the holiday season and i'm broke Um, (laughs) that's why you need to play man you need to make that money back but that feels like a bold move um i I, if i'm we're putting my own dollars down all of it would be on georgia which feels weird going against tom herman as an underdog but this georgia team's good kirby smart's a really good coach I think they want to come out next year and be ranked number two at the beginning of the year. Um, and I think the way to do that is to just blow out this Texas team. So I'm hoping we don't see any Justin Fields in this game because um, that would pretty much ensure that he was completely going to Ohio State. So let's keep our fingers crossed for no Justin Fields and a Georgia win. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's some rooting interest for you right there. I'm also on Georgia on this one, and I'm going to throw a little shade Jordan's way because he's been like the from truther all year telling us how amazing he is and how he is like the second coming of Tua. Um, <laughs> no, but if you remember before that Georgia-Bama game, he was telling us how Fromm might be the better quarterback. Now nah, he didn't quite say that, but he was telling us that he had a better adjusted uh completion percentage right right and so so i'm a little surprised that he's not on georgia just for for that sake but but i will use that as as some reasoning like i i think that he will come out and and play with a chip on his shoulder i think he wants to show everyone that georgia should have been in the playoff and that they made a mistake um as you all hear my dog barking in the background um but maybe that's a sign go bulldogs right i uh i i think georgia's gonna come out I think they're going to win fairly easily. I think Texas has been a little 
I mean, at the beginning of the year, we didn't know what to think of them. We thought they were bad. Then we thought they were good. And then we ended the year not really knowing what to think. I think we're going to end. I still think they're bad. I know. I think, and I think this game's going to kind of leave us with that memory of them not really being that great, not actually back yet. Um, and yeah, give me Georgia. I think they will run away with it. Might be close at halftime, but it won't be close by the end of by the end of the fourth. Any parting words for the for the for the listeners? Well, to make you feel better about that pick, S and P Plus has this as a margin of eighteen point three points in favor of Georgia. So, yeah. feel what pretty good th- about what it. What are you thinking, Jordan? Come on, man. Uh, I think he. I I think he's in that motivation camp. Yeah, and I think that and he's he, probably going to be right on this one, and we'll feel like idiots. But <laughs> I mean, we've seen it a few times already. That's when the team comes out flat. It's, I mean, it's real. There, there's. Right. It's very real to think that motivation plays a role in these games. And if Georgia doesn't care coming into the game, then sure, Texas can overwhelm them with passing. But that relies on Ellinger being uh, an accurate quarterback. And I just don't think that's going to happen for the course of over the course of four quarters. Yeah. And I think we've, we've been able to see enough of Georgia being able to play really tough competition and even when it like it'll be a close game for a while, the opposing team will make a mistake, and all of a sudden it's a blowout. So I, I think Georgia will be will be just fine. What game outside of the Ohio State game? What what game are you most looking forward to this weekend? I mean, can and we, by, we should probably by weekend I mean New Year's as well, of course. So we uh, we should definitely also take Alabama and Oklahoma out of it because that's the obvious sure. answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's tough. Is it weird that I'm like gonna hate watch all of Florida and Michigan? <laughs> You're glutton for punishment, man. That game's gonna be so bad. It's gonna be but brutal. At the same, it, but at the same time, I'm so intrigued to see if Michigan and Jim Harbaugh can finally enter the new age of college football and realize that, yeah, you have some really good wide receivers. Throw it at them relentlessly. Um, that's probably my favorite game, honestly, left. Yeah. There's some weird – there's some definite weird games left, like NC State A&M will be fun. But, yeah, I mean, I think that it's weird, but that Florida and Michigan game, I will be locked in. Nice. Yeah, I feel I feel like uh, LSU-UCF is going to have me glued in just because it's, it seems like two polar opposites competing. on, And I, I always love just that dynamic of a really – you know, I mean, UCF's is kind of no, I mean, they're not no name anymore after going undefeated last year, but I mean, a few years ago, no one cared about UCF and here they are playing LSU. They had the, Lake Bortles. <laughs> may he rest in peace. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a lot of fun to, to see these different styles uh, competing against each other. I'll be pulling UCF for sure, even though I picked LSU. So that that's the game I'll be glued into other than, uh, other than the big ones. And of course, Oregon. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm excited for it. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend. It's it's going to be fun. I can't wait. It'll be good. Where can where can people find you, Matt? So you can find my uh, my somewhat reasonable tweets at uh, at Wispy the Kid on Twitter, and then I've been helping out with the prospect series on RotoViz. Just released an article today on Mike Weber, and, and I also have my series over at Roto Baller Dynasty League Scouting. Great. And you can find me on Twitter at StayFunLaco. Uh, you can also check out my other podcast called Is This It? Uh, other than that, you can find me here. We'll be back next week with another episode. We'll break down all of these games and see where we missed it and where we were right. I will tell you what I'm going to do with all the winnings that I had over the weekend. And we'll look ahead to the college football national championship game. So it'll be good. We can't wait, and we look forward to talking to you next week. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees.
It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2. Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.